Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in the Ivy League, a look inside the ancient 18s in the Ivy League and their upcoming games with all of the stats, trends, and analysis that you want to hear. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Believe in the Ivy League. I am your host, Tom Barton, as you did hear that. We got a lot to talk about this week. Look, besides the NBA, I want to touch on the NFL and the players really making good from the Ivy Leagues in the NFL. It's always a pretty fun topic when we get to talk about that. This year, we have kind of a new name thrown into the mix, and we do have some old names, uh, older it's funny, uh, the guy that's in his mid-40s calling these kids in their 20s older. But the older names, the names that we're used to, I kind of want to go and take just a peek at their seasons after the uh, since this is pretty much the last week of the season in the NFL. So we'll start there, and then we'll go into the college basketball. We had a lot more cancellations in college basketball. We do still have a lot of questions in college basketball. Uh, but we also are entering the conference play. Like I said, we are getting one-on-one battles inside conference play. We've had a couple, so we'll get into that as well. First thing I want to do, though, let's talk a little bit about the NFL and the guys making good. Look, everybody knows Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. I mean, that's kind of the big joke, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard, and, you know, in the recent memory, in our recent memory banks, you do have the just the idea that, look, he represents all Ivy League players, and that's that, and it is what it is. But you have, you know, uh, you have centers out there. You have offensive linemen. Of course, they're not going to get the recognition because they don't play the premier position of quarterback. It goes with everything. You know, it's funny because this year, everyone keeps asking me about Jonathan Taylor. Do I think that he's got a chance to win the MVP? And I keep saying no. That doesn't mean I don't think that he deserves the MVP, but I don't think he's going to win it because it's a quarterback-driven league. It's a quarterback centric league more and more as the years go on. It's strictly quarterback. And it's the same thing with Ivy League recognition. Ryan Fitzpatrick is certainly not the best player to ever leave the Ivy Leagues in the NFL. He's certainly not the best recent player, but he's a guy that you turn around and you look at and you go, yeah, you know what? He's going to be the face of it for a little while. But you do have a couple of guys kind of creeping into the spotlight in the NFL right now. And you have guys like Kyle Juszczyk, who did go to Harvard. I've been a big fan of. I actually have a jersey hanging up in my office of Kyle Juszczyk, uh, the hybrid player. Again, he dominates his position over the last five years like nobody else. And if I gave you a blind resume and I said, the best player in his position for five years, I I don't think anyone's questioning it, right? Another Pro Bowl appearance this year. It's Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl at a position that is uh, dominated by him. He's gone to a Super Bowl, position dominated by him. Oh, by the way, he scored a touchdown in a Super Bowl, and I cashed in very nicely with that prop play as well. Kyle Juszczyk would not be the name that you would think of, but Kyle Juszczyk is the guy, okay? 
he right now is probably the biggest premier name among people that understand the NFL. And he's the guy that you look at and you just say, okay, he's representing it. But you do have a couple of other players, of course, scattered around the league. You had Bryant there for a while. He was with Cleveland the last time I, I saw. Yeah, Burke, you have a couple of guys out there uh, that are doing well in their positions. But this week, it was kind of cool because Cameron Brake and uh, Brate and Fersker both scored touchdowns this week, both in the same week, the past week, week 17, which was pretty amazing. And both of them, Cameron Brake and Anthony Fersker, potentially, if you add Kyle Juszczyk into it, if San Francisco could win this weekend, all three of them are playoff bound. And they're playoff bound I would say that they are good parts of their team. Look, uh, Kyle Juszczyk is a dominating part to his team. But Fersker and Breit are good usage guys. Look, they're starters. They're tight ends. They're starting tight ends on teams that are going to the playoffs. And, I, you know, it's kind of a cool situation. You did see Breit catch that winning touchdown. Uh, Anthony Fersker's had a decent, you know, success in the NFL. I think they get overlooked, of course, because of the Ryan Fitzpatrick idea and just the idea that they are still tight ends at the end of the day. So I want to give their props and their credit out there for those two. But the guy I want to talk about this week is not going to the playoffs and his team isn't going to the playoffs. And that might be why he's not getting the credit that he deserves, but he certainly deserves a lot of credit. Look, you're not going to hear his name among defensive MVPs, but I think he should be considered there. And that's Foyer Olikukan. And Foye Olikikan is a guy that plays for the Atlanta Falcons that leads the league in tackles. Yeah, look, he's leading the NFL of all of the players in the NFL, from the Roquan Smiths to the TJ Watts to every other name in between to the Bobby Wagners who's chasing him. He has 179 tackles going into the final week, and it really doesn't look like anyone's going to be able to catch him. So Not only can he lead the NFL in tackles this year, he may get 200 tackles. Guys, we have to start putting a lot of respect on this young man's name. And I know he's on Atlanta, and it's a defense that you look at, and first of all, even at his own position on his own team, people look at Deion Jones first. But I think we do need to start really taking a look at uh, Louis Khan and and saying, you know, he's among the elite Ivy League players, and we got to throw his name into it. All right. With that said, let's get into the college basketball. We'll turn the page there. The big game that we were looking forward to, Princeton-Harvard, well, that was postponed because of COVID issues, and that was COVID issues inside the Harvard program. Um, Look, it's going to be rescheduled. They're going to play it again. February 27th at noon was the reschedulation date, and that's uh, two days after the regular scheduled game. Um, Again, already, that was already there. So we're going to have... That area in late February, bam, bam, back to back. These Princeton Harvard games are really going to be separation games. Now, the Tigers didn't play, uh, you know, since December 21st, so they had a, a little bit of a layoff there. And Harvard just keeps getting all these games canceled. And you start to really kind of question are they going to be able to kind of have a season at this point? Uh, what kind of season are they going to have with all these cancellations? Constant. Now, on the same day, on January 2nd, we did have. Yale-Columbia. Yale-Columbia was going to be another big-time game. It was going to be another kind of, uh, you know, separation game for Yale. You expect them to beat Columbia. You expect them to beat them, oh, you know, really well. But look, Yale is 6-8 and eight coming in, right? They got to get that record up to snuff. They were 6-8 and eight count coming in. They were picked to finish first in the conference. They were picked to capture its third straight title, right? And now you look at not only are they getting games canceled that are vital to their overall record. Uh, EJ Jarvis, uh, 
Is he going to come back? What is his status? That's something that we need to have a conversation about. And you look at, you know, Columbia. Columbia looks bad. Look, Ken Palm ranks them 347 out of 358. Okay. So when I say they're bad, I mean, they are awful. And you look at, you know, Yale being able to get a, a win. This is no offense to the Columbia team, but I think Yale was getting a win. And when you're six and eight, even if it is a beat up dominating win over Columbia, you want that game just to help your record out, right? You need that game to help that record out. Now, you know, you look at Yale versus Columbia would have been, because of the early tip-off, was going to be the first Ivy League basketball game in 616, 666 days, right? Because they all were pushed off because of COVID and the pandemic and, and everything else. So Princeton and Harvard was going to be the next game after 666 games. Uh, days, no. So the first games were Cornell-Dartmouth and Penn against Brown. Cornell, we asked the question last week. We said, does Cornell have the offense? Does Cornell have that just scoring ability to go out there and continue to win just with big-time scoring numbers? And I wanted to see them against Dartmouth. Not that Dartmouth was really a top team, but because Dartmouth, you know what? Going on the road, they could form a little bit of a defensive problem. Well, not so much. Look, you can you can walk your away with your head held high if you are Dartmouth because Cornell averages about 90 points per game. Well, Cornell scored 79. It was enough to get the win, an eight-point win there. Brown took on Penn, and you look at Brown and Penn, and I thought that this was going to be a battle, but it seemed to be a game that, to me, Penn had to have. Penn has not been looking good right now. Penn is in a situation where you look at this Penn team, and you're going, okay, I know they were supposed to be a top four. This doesn't look too good, right? It doesn't look too good for them but they were able to go out there. They were able to go get a win, which I think was a must-needed win against a Brown team who's about 500, a Brown team who's overachieved, a Brown team who, look, they were currently ranked third on when we're talking about Ken Palm and maybe, maybe could play in March Madness, dare I say. Well, this loss by Penn on the road just sets everything back to the conversation that, Stop looking at what these games could have been and start looking at conference play only. There's a lot of cancellations. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of questions in the the college basketball ranks itself and in the Ivy Leagues. There is no difference here. So that was another game that I think Penn needed to have. Brown could accept that loss, but I do think it tells us something. Penn was supposed to be a top four team this year. That was what their mark was supposed to be. That's where their mindset was. That is what we all believed Penn was going to be. Now, I had my doubts about Penn, but generally the consensus was that was a Penn team that was going to be a top four team. They got off to a really rough start. Their record looked atrocious. It looked abysmal. Oh, no, here we go. If you go out there and you lose this game, and I mentioned this last week, um, everyone that had doubted you all of a sudden looks up and they go, yep, nope, nope, we were right. We were right. But you go out there and, you know, you get this win if you're Penn, and all of a sudden, well, conference play starts. Who cares what the record has been since then? And Penn kind of resets the season. Now, they were supposed to have a follow-up game, which I always like. Look, the big win is nice, but it's the follow-up game that is always really on my mind. And you're supposed to have that follow-up game. They were supposed to have that on Tuesday. Guess what? Because we are right now in just COVID hell in the Ivy Leagues, that game was canceled against Howard. 
So looking forward this week, I can break some of these games down for you. But once again, I think we're going to be in a position where we will see cancellations. It's cancellations all over the place. We have already had Friday's game, Dartmouth against Yale. That's canceled. So Dartmouth-Yale is canceled for Friday. On schedule, we still have Brown-Harvard. Remember, Harvard hasn't played in forever. Penn-Cornell, Princeton-Columbia. So Harvard's sitting at 8-4. and four. And Harvard is a team that you look at and you say, okay, I'm still not sure who they are. But guys, they're going to come into this game on Friday if it is played. Not having played a game since December 21st. Where Brown just played. I, I know that the Harvard basketball faithful don't want to hear this. But I think Harvard is going to be in a little trouble in this game. Harvard is potentially going to be rusty. Potentially going to not really take Brown uh, for what they are rather than what they should have been. There's going to be a, a fine Tommy Amaker moment to see how his team is able to recover after not playing since December 21st. Penn takes on Cornell. I don't expect Penn to win this game. Okay, I think that Cornell is one of the top four teams in this conference. I think Cornell has a shot, and I've been saying this for weeks. I think Cornell has a shot to be the top team in this conference. I think their scoring is just fantastic. Penn comes in. They are 4-10. and 10. They are coming off of that win. But did that set this season right? Well, what I can tell you this is that when Penn is outmatched, it is because their defense is terrible. And that is not a good situation when you're turning around and you're taking on a Cornell team. Look, they allowed 105 to Florida State on opening night. All right, it's opening night. I, I can give you that. It's Florida State. They're going to be classically better. No problem. They went up 87 to George Mason, right? They let up 87 to Utah State, albeit overtimes. They let up 76 to Townsend. They let up 81 to Temple, 78 to St. Joe's. I think it would be a minor shock if Cornell didn't score 80 points here. You know, Cornell's offense is just rolling. This is a game that if Penn wins, guys, and Penn, you know, you're starting to build that confidence. If Penn wins this game, we put him back into the conversation. But if Cornell wins this game, it's almost impossible to overlook Cornell at this point and what they're doing. Cornell has to be taken serious. And I've, I know I've said this for weeks, but we've got to sit, sit back and really take them serious. And on the road, in Penn, Despite the record, okay, the lines makers will probably have Cornell overly favored. Despite the record, this could become a tricky game. I do think Cornell walks away with the victory. We'll talk about that next week and the impact that that has on this uh, on this overall feeling. Now, Princeton takes on Columbia. Columbia, like I said, one of the top 10 worst teams in all of college basketball. I don't expect them to put up any fight, any fight at all against Princeton. Princeton should manhandle Columbia. So no real surprises there. Now you then have the back-to-backs, okay? So Princess takes on uh, Columbia is the last final game. Well, Penn then takes on Columbia. So Penn's in a spot here, okay? And when I mention Columbia, I don't mean to harp on you, but guys, I got to speak the truth. Columbia is an automatic win for most of these teams, okay? At least in their, their minds. And where I have to look at this and break down the conference, they're an automatic win. So if Penn can come out there and beat Cornell, which would just make their season unbelievably turned on a dime. Well, I think they go 2-0 back-to-back nights. I think they beat Columbia back at home. And now you have a three-game winning streak. Now you're 3-0 in the conference. And now you've taken down Cornell. Penn can completely reverse their season this weekend. Dartmouth takes on Brown and what's a good game of two teams that I think Brown should be favored, but I'm not a full believer in Brown either. Dartmouth is at home. I think they could be a little feisty at home. This is another good game. And then we have Princeton Cornell. 
That's the game of the week here. Princeton is the best team in this conference. I know a lot of people are going to throw Yale in there. I don't know if Yale's quite there yet. I'm going to say Princeton's the best team in this conference. Cornell wants to be, and they want to make it a statement game. This is a statement game for Cornell, but it is for Princeton at home. You know what? You might be the upstart, but you're not coming to our house and going out there and, and winning a game. Now, Princeton has the luxury of having a postponement. They played a Division II college team last time they were on the court, and then they get Columbia. So they have a benefit here, okay, because, well, you know, they get a, a little time to prepare. But again, it's the same Harvard situation. They're sitting here where they haven't played a game since December 21st. And oh, by the way, that game, they won 100 to 59 against a D2 team. So now you miss out on Harvard, which was supposed to be a big game. You got Columbia, and then you have Cornell. I don't know if that's going to be enough to kind of get them a game under their feet. Will the Columbia game going to be interested in how they attack that game to see how they're going to attack the Cornell Princeton game on Sunday. That is the best game of the weekend. It should be. Now, you know that Harvard Yale is going to just completely capitalize the news. Harvard Yale is going to be the conversation that everyone talks about. Harvard Yale Sunday afternoon, two o'clock going up against, uh, you know, NFL games that some of them might not mean anything. Yeah, this is going to be a big-time game. And it's a big-time game for Harvard, who hasn't played since the 21st, but it's also a big-time game for Yale, who's had some cancellations as well. And you look at Yale, and you look at, at what they are. Guys, they've lost three games in a row coming into, uh, you know, uh, the January 2nd meeting. You come in into postponement. Then three losing three games in a row, and you go, well, don't worry, we're going to feel better. And we're going to take it out on Columbia. Well, po postpone. Then... You know what? Ah, no problem. Look, three, we lost three games in a row. They were three tough games against Iona, Monmouth, St. Mary's. Three good teams in a row uh, before that. Um, Auburn with a Albany wind squeezed in the middle. So they've gone through a tough schedule here. And you go, I could get well against Columbia. Nope. Canceled. Can get well against Dartmouth. Nope. Canceled. Now you got to go take on your rival on the road? You know, this is not an easy spot for Yale at all. Yale is in a spot where they probably won't have to deal with the crowd noise because I, I don't know if they're even going to be allowing anybody into the stadium there, uh, into the arena there in Harvard or around the league, to be honest with you. So they don't have to deal with that. But overall, they do have to deal with a lot. They do have to deal with the idea that, yeah, Harvard hasn't played in a while, but we keep getting our expectations up. We keep getting, okay, we could get a right game here. We could get right against Club. We could get right against Harvard. You're not getting right against Harvard. Now, if you do, we again will propel Yale to the top. But if they fail, we start to have to ask some serious questions about Yale next week. And if they do fail, well, that means Harvard succeeds. If Harvard succeeds, then you know what that means. That means that we have to start having a conversation about how high we should take Harvard how much we should look at Harvard and say, yeah, you're the team now that we are keeping an eye on. We know Cornell's good. We know Princeton's good. We think Yale's good. We're not sure about Harvard yet, but I think a lot of answers will be solved this weekend. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Next week, we'll take a good look at these past games. I think it's finally time to start getting some real games under our belt, and we're going to break down some big ones as the season goes on. Thank you again, everybody. Make sure you listen in next week. I'm Tom Barton for Believe in the Ivy League. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.